Hello, new music, same voice over top. My name is Rich Ryan. So this new music, what it does is indicates a brand new show. Today we are introducing a new segment called Torque Talk. And so first, Torque is an acronym for the Obstacle Racing Collaboration. And Torque is a team of elite athletes together through the 2021 season to help get better results so they can help push the sport forward. I'm fortunate enough to be part of this team and it's comprised of myself and 14 other members some of the names you will know, some of the names you might not know, but you will get to know. And you will get to know them through these these segments called Torque Talk. And basically what this is going to be, it's going to give you the insight of these specific athletes and allow you to follow along their progress and to learn from them and how they've gotten such good results and how they plan to continue to get good results through the 2021 season. So to check out the full roster of athletes, give us a follow at The Obstacle Racing Collab on Instagram, underscores underneath uh, between all the words, or you can check out the website at torqueocr.com. So these Torque Talks, they're typically going to be later in the week, thinking Thursday or Friday, and the typical reinforced running show will be on Monday or Tuesday. We're going to set that schedule in and those release dates. We're going to lock those in. I'll keep you posted. But today, I was excited to bring this to you. This is our first installment of a Torque Talk, and it's with my friend Sean Stevens-Whale, who is fresh off of a third-place finish in OCR Stars. And we talk about his background as a mountain runner and a tower runner and how that's actually prepared him for immediate success in OCR. One of the rare people who came into OCR and had done well right from the jump. Then we dive into some of the things he needs to do to get his results to that next level and really what that next level means for him. So had a great time chatting. I think you'll learn a lot from him and his training and his approach. And then you can catch the actual video version of this podcast on the Torque YouTube channel. So give us a subscribe to that as well. So you can get all the newest Torque Talks and follow along the team throughout the 2021 season. Cool. So here is my friend, Sean Stevens-Whale. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, where, you, where do you live right now? Yeah, so I'm on the west coast of Canada. Pretty close to Vancouver in a place called Squamish. I think for those who know about Squamish, it's, it's better known as a rock climbing mecca. It's pretty amazing all the people that are out here. It's a really strong community of sort of diverse outdoors people. A lot of climbers, a lot of guys who are into like skiing, snowboarding, of course, with Whistler just around the corner. Mm-hmm. And then just the running scene, though, has actually really picked up here over the last few years. We got like a really good group of guys, probably like 10 15 guys here who are just like hammering it out like a lot of the guys here aren't even working they're just sort of training full-time trying to live the life and yeah it's been really really great living here and is it like an outdoor destination because you grew up relatively close to there as well right yeah i grew up on the coast which is uh just like 50k away from here it's also very close to vancouver and uh, i mean i always knew about squamish when i was in school i was always thinking like after I graduate, you know, Squamish is where I want to be. <laughs> and uh, Yeah, me and my buddy sort of made a plan when I was studying at Victoria to come over here after I graduated. And we were both going to come over here. We were both going to buy uh, vans, live in our vans, and just train for obstacle course racing. <laughs> so, And what uh, happened? Did you buy the van? Yeah, well, my buddy ended up buying a, an RV and, and did it. And I ended up moving back with my parents and... <laughs> yeah i worked for one of us and it took me a couple extra years to get here but i made it you're there so and is it when i think of a place like that is there is it heavy like transplants from all over like specifically bc or is it 
from all over the country or the like transplants from the United States to come up there? Like, is it a destination people come like to rock climb, to ski, yeah. to snowboard, to, uh, so is, are there people who are like from there or is it everybody there kind of has like the same interest? I think it's kind of like a mix. Being in the outdoor scene, there's, I would say there's two areas of Squamish. Like you got the, the people who were born here and don't necessarily appreciate what Squamish is mm-hmm. and has to offer. And then you have the people who have moved here. For instance, like both my roommates, one of them's from England and the other one is from the States. And uh, so, I mean, that's, that's pretty typical of uh, people in Squamish. You have all the Aussies that uh, come to Whistler as mm-hmm. well. So a lot of people uh, from down under there, but it's, it's a really good mix here. Yeah. But everyone is super enthusiastic. Right. Like, can you run into anybody and, and instantly just assume that they're doing something outdoorsy? It, it's pretty amazing. Honestly, like you feel like you have to step up your game when you're here because <laughs> like walk into a random bike shop and it would be like a guy at the counter who's like on the world cup for downhill. And then, you know, like a guy in the back who like, rock climbs or boulders professionally and it's like they're just guys in Squamish or girls in Squamish and I mean there's just so many of them you know and when one so where I live it's extremely urban I'm in Philadelphia and it's like not necessarily outdoorsy in any way and I for the past couple years I was just like man if I could just be somewhere like if I could be in Colorado or, or wherever where there was like like-minded people around, like I feel like it would make me step my game up and really kind of commit to it or just be around and like learn a lot more. And was that the case for you? Like when you moved to Squamish, did your game elevate? Well, that was, that was the idea. Um, <laughs> no, the execution, like, how did it do? Yeah. No, like a couple of, a couple of my buddies who lived here when I, when I first moved, I, they were like, they're super hardcore, like ski mountaineers. They do tons and tons of vertical week. Like their average week is like six, 7,000 meters, which is like 20,000 feet. Jeez. Like a typical week for them. And so on, ski, I, on skis, a lot of skis, uh, some on foot as well. They're, they're mixed train athletes, but it, it was, it was really motivating seeing what they were up to. And I was like, man, I just want to be doing that because you can't help but get super fit doing that stuff. So that was the idea when I moved here. I've, I've dealt a lot with injuries in my career, and it's kind of pushed itself into Squamish as well. Hmm. Um, I'm, I'm trying to be smart with it, but lately I've been injury-free, which has been good. And I've just got to be a bit smarter with my training. But it's, it's, super, it's super easy to train when you have like four or five guys who you can text at any time and be like, hey, you want to go for a two-hour run a day? You want to do a tempo? And they're all like around your pace. And so, you know, you can, you can kind of trust them to – to do what you want to do. And I mean, that makes total sense just to have those that like grouping of people. And like we had talked about, like that's kind of why people are there in the first place. And you didn't go there to start your athletic career. Right. So like, tell us what the like genesis of like getting to Squamish was like what you were doing beforehand and like, what made you decide to like go with there and like, with the outcome of like stepping up and being full-time like OCR. Yeah. <laughs> this is kind of a long story, but I mean, I've been running most of my life. Uh, I've always sort of, sort of identified as a runner really since I was like 11, 12 years old, I've kept a training log. I've got like diaries and I'm still sorry. Do you still have the, the training logs? Yeah. They're, they're in my parents' home right now, but oh, that'd be awesome. Do you look at them? 
Yeah, they're pretty great. But but seriously, like even since that age, like I would I would put off like parties or something if I had a training run that day. So I, I took it really serious from a young age. And then I went to school. So I went to UBC first and I was a varsity athlete there, ran with the Thunderbirds. And so I had four years of running there and really loved the team atmosphere. I, I wasn't I wasn't a great track runner. And I, I mean, even when I was there, I sort of gravitated towards like the more uphill terrain. So either mountain running or, or tower running. And then I moved on to University of Victoria where I met Chris Swanson, who ended up being my roommate for four years. And Chris is one of the OGs in mountain running in Canada. He's been on the Canadian team like 10, 15 times, I don't know. Anyways, it was great living with him because we, we were very like-minded and very both very focused. And so both sort of had the same goals of, you know, becoming the best mountain runners we could. And he, along with I, had a, had a litany of injuries, which fortunately kind of uh, stalled his career a bit. And so in 2015, heard about Spartan. And at, at the time we, I mean, yeah, it wasn't, I think when we first learned about Spartan, it wasn't really seen as necessarily like a serious sport, mm-hmm. how we looked at it. And like, when did you, when did you come across Spartan? So the first race I saw that was obstacle course racing was called like the Urban Athlon. And it was like a men's health race. And it was like in the city, it was like in New York and Chicago. And this was probably in like 2009, 2010. I didn't do it because I was still living at home and like had no money. And I was like, I'm going to go and do this. I'm going to be the best at this ever. And then, and then I saw, and then Spartan kind of popped up on the radar and because I started like looking into all these things like warrior dash and Spartan and everything like that. And I didn't really, I didn't do a race until 2013 and kind of thought the same thing, but what, yeah. how did, how did you, how'd you hear of it? Like just how anybody yeah, else hears of it? Just like uh, people doing it. Yeah. I, I actually heard it. I, I was like doing a couple of races that fall and I was talking to a buddy of mine, Gary Robbins, who is sort of a race director and, in Vancouver, very well known, but he, he knew the director of the Spartan event. It's like, hey, you should give the Sun Peaks race a go. And uh, so I was like, eh, might as well. I mean, nothing to lose. Went up there, did pretty well, and ended up going to the world championships the very next weekend. Um, <laughs> yeah, so you, tell us more about that first race. How did you do? Like, what did you yeah. win? So, so the Sun Peaks race, I mean, I'm, I'm gonna like prefix this with the fact that the Sun Peaks race is very much a mountain runner's course. The carries are very light. It, it was a beast distance. So we're talking 21K with well over a thousand meters of climbing. Uh-huh. Um, so I, I think I ended up winning by about 15 minutes. You won by 15 minutes. Over Austin. Do you know Austin? Austin Azar? Yeah, yeah. You beat him by 15 minutes? I think it was around there. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure of the time, but. <laughs> okay, um, so you're like, all right. Well, and if anyone's going to be prepared, like I've found that the people who do have the easiest transition are those who are familiar with with like trail and but it's hard for like younger people to really have that type of background but you were dead set on that it seems like even from when you were at university of like that's what you wanted to do is like be that way and train that way so it makes sense that you're able to do it did you get all the obstacles yeah i actually so i hit the spear which was surprising i'd never thrown a spear before and i was like oh, that was easy little did i know like my spear throw percentage is like under 50 but <laughs> beginner's luck I guess yeah the only one I didn't get was this uh, there was a sled pull and it was like 
there's like deep mud right at the top of the right at the top of the course and i just couldn't get the slide moving did they make you burpee that one sorry you had to do burpees for that no i had to do burpees for that one yeah but those are the only burpees i did on the course everything else was super light and so i was like after the race i i looked up who austin was and i realized like he finished in top 15 or 20 at the world championships the previous year and so yeah, I, I contacted the rep with Spartan and they got me accommodation down oh. in town. What? Yeah. Are you serious? <laughs> Ended up rooming with uh, Jonathan Elvin actually. Nah, really? <laughs> Wait, so 2015, was that the first year at Tahoe? I think so, yes. Yeah. Because yeah, uh, I think 14 was, because Albin would have won the year before, right? I think so, yeah. So you're just like rooming with this guy, like, yeah, I won last year. And you're like, oh, well, I'm going to win this year. It, it was so funny. I, I was, I feel like I was so like jaded going into it because I, I did have, like I was talking to Chris before I went down and we, we were talking about like, oh, this is, is going to be hilarious. <laughs> like the, whatever the prize money is like, oh, we're going to get it for sure. Yeah. Did you, you, so you were like, I beat this guy. I looked in, I looked into him as you should. Like I would do the same thing. Yeah. I would do that on the track all the time. If I'm like near somebody's like, oh my God, this guy's like actually like a eight 45 steeple guy I lost him by like three seconds early in years that means I'm gonna be like an eight <laughs> exactly like, yeah yeah so That's like true. so yeah you looked at him you're like all right well I smashed him by 15 minutes he was top 15 in the world I'm gonna at least get top three <laughs> you think yeah so I, I kind of made these kind of baseless claims about how I do and yeah it was actually funny because I was talking to Jonathan prior to the race and like we didn't really talk that much but I was like hey who do you think would be the best in the world at obstacle course racing if anyone could do it because at the time i was like oh man the people in obstacle course racing are not like the best guys who could be racing like there's guys out there i don't know for kenyan or whatever that you know could do better but just just on reflection i just feel like that's that was really stupid of me was he like me <laughs> like i am the best and that would be at this if anybody could do it what did he say yeah, to you? Well, in essence that's what he did say actually but i mean if i'm completely honest i actually i i literally think jonathan elvin anyone in the world could line up to race and i think he would, he would win but i know what you mean like you could say like okay if galen rupp did some pull-ups you know ran on some trails yeah like his capacity to do work you would think would translate over to obstacle course racing. Just that, just the way that, you yeah. know, guys like myself or like, like Nick Riker on the team, like guys who, or Nick Masick, who have like this big capacity to do work, but not necessarily the work that needs to be done. Yeah. You would think there are people who would be able to do better. Like you said, the Kenyans, Ethiopians, like, yeah, have them carry some rocks for a while and see how it goes. But totally, it doesn't really seem to always work out that way. <laughs> No, I mean, like, you look at a guy like Max King, um, mm -hmm. who, like, he's a, he's a really strong guy, and, and he is, like, an amazingly well-rounded athlete, like, world mountain running champion, like, 830 steeple guy, like, 214 marathoner. Like, he's got crazy range, and, I mean, he stepped up in some of the Spartan races, and I don't think he's done that well. He's done, as, he's done about as well as he would in, this, in, like, his, in, like, mountain running, you know? Like, he doesn't do better, you know? He's not dominating. Because if he was, no. because you would think in, for someone like him who has, if he had the ability to come in and win Spartan, the, the money in Spartan is probably as good as mountain running. Oh, right? it's, it's way better. Way it's better, better yeah. right? So like, it can't come down to a money thing for someone like him. If, if, because if he was going to dominate, he would be here. Absolutely. Yeah. So, 
Okay, so you, you talk shit to Albin. Yeah. Him, <laughs> and uh, he doesn't win that year. Killian wins, right? That's right, yeah, yeah. How did you do? Well, a lot worse than I thought I'd do, but on reflection, actually not that bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I started. It's at altitude, and I, I'm not the greatest altitude runner to be with. So. What's, what's a Squam- Squamish? Is, is it basically sea level? Where we're at sea level yeah. right here, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, it kind of crushed me right from the start, <laughs> to be honest. And the Herkhoist was pretty early on that year and wasn't able to get that up. So I had to burpee out on that. I think I ended up doing 150 burpees that year. That was when it was flipped, right? That's when it headed up the big steep hill first. And then the, the, long, the first climb that is now, I think, yeah. was the second climb. At least when I, I, I went the next year in 2016, and that's how it was. Like, we shot away from the, the, like the gondola. I'm not sure what direction in the world that is, but. Yeah, I don't even know if we went, man, it, it, it's kind of all a bit fuzzy now. I can't even remember if we went over the, the small climb or if we just did the big one. Hmm. Uh, but anyways, yeah, it, it crushed me. And that 100, rate, 150 burpees is uh, a lot of burpees. Are, like sore from like burpees. Brutal. Yeah. I remember the bucket carry that, that thing like gave me nightmares for months. I'd never experienced pain like that in my life. Like the bucket carry is right near the end. And I was starting to get a bit of momentum back. I was starting to pick off a couple, a couple guys and I was like, oh, okay, could still, still like end up maybe rallying for top 10 or something. Uh, but as soon as I hit that bucket, man. I just got destroyed. I think that bucket took me like half an hour to get there. Man. But, yeah. That yeah. was like, yeah, that's fill your own, fill your own bucket, hold it in front of you. Hold it in front of you. Just like your back is on fire the whole time. Um, Can't really put I, it down. Like, yeah. Yeah. Every time you put it down, you're wasting tons of time. So it's not really efficient, but I mean, what can you do? So back then it was like, if I made it through a bucket carry without like, dropping to a knee and like setting the thing down for a little bit, I was really excited about it. Like, cause it was, I would always need to just like stop for a little bit. I don't remember last time I stopped for a bucket carry. I don't understand why those buckets were so much than the ones are now. Cause aren't they like the same size? Maybe they're filled with different material or? They're definitely the same size. I don't, we can't see what's in it anymore with the lid yeah. on there, but I don't know either. I, I mean, the, whenever it comes down to something like that, I just always assume we're just better prepared. You know, like yeah. that, that first year, first year or two when I w- was at it, it was just still like run a little bit, lift a little bit of weight, but like, you know, it was like what I was training for, but not like, not like to be the best possible version of myself in obstacle course racing. Yeah. So I just don't think I, and I just probably didn't want to do it in training. I was like, this is stupid. I'm not going to do it in training, but now it's like, I'll do the stupid stuff for training. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Yeah. So what place did you end up? I ended up 18th that year. Okay. Uh, so I was able to sneak into the top 20, which isn't terrible. Yeah, on reflection. Uh, did, uh, did Austin Azar beat you? You know what? I think he did. Yeah. Yeah. He's really good at that course. He's been like top 10 a couple of times since, since then. Austin's such a beast. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, he's an amazing athlete. Yeah. So after that, were you were you all in? Were you like, okay, like, this is what I want to do? Cause I mean that, like, it sounds like the first race was maybe not the best representation, but, and Patajo is also an extreme version of a Spartan race typically, or at least it used to be is like, all right, you're going to come here. It's going to be longer than most races. And it's going to be the most unfair that we could possibly make it. And it's still kind of that way, but yeah. What was that like for you then? Cause 
what were you were you training just for mountains because you had some a, a stint there where you were doing specifically tower stuff too right like what were you doing that year in 2015 yeah before that first spartan race yeah i was i was actually in pretty good mountain running shape i didn't go to the world championships that year but i was i was in pretty good shape going into september and so i kind of went on a spree of races i think i did like six races in six weekends and so it got pretty crazy but yeah i i, I do feel like with the Spartan races, I think at least in most courses, having like a strong running or aerobic base is probably like the most important thing, assuming you have all the other characteristics already. Mm -hmm. And so I, I do feel like, I mean, 18th is still my best finish at the World Championships. So like, despite the fact that I had no idea, you know, what I was doing really, the fact that, you know, mountain running wise, I, I was aerobically fit, I, I think like enabled me to, to do that well. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. It's funny how, how that has worked out over the years that like my first year was the next year, 2016, like I said, and I think I was like 34th and I got murdered. I like missed a bunch of stuff. I probably did close to 100, 20, 100. Like there was three obstacles right at the end. And I just oh, did 90 burpees yeah. <laughs> to finish the race. I was like, okay, like I'm completely dead. My parents there cheering for me. I'm just like taking 10 minutes to do 150 yards. But that year I finished like 34th. And last year, which was the best OCR shape I've ever been in, I was like 27th. You know, so like right. there's not that much. Just like the sport is just really getting more and more competitive. Do you feel like that is the case? Or do you feel like has it been injuries for you that is more kind of the reason why you haven't outperformed that first year or what do you think is, has happened that you haven't gotten beyond that point? Yeah. I think it's a little bit of a, a little bit of B. I, I definitely do feel like where I am now, if like obstacle course wise, if I was to be in the same shape, I think I obviously have done much better that year, but at the same time, the depth is, is definitely increasing. So, I mean, it's hard to say exactly how much, but I, I would say like maybe a 15th then would be like a 25th now kind of thing. Yeah, I think that's fair. Internationally, things are getting much better too. And I mean, even domestically, there's, there's a lot more depth, like yeah, anybody, but it could be a mix from that 15th to 25th, like depending on what happens that race, you could be totally in any one of those spots. Yeah. I think, I think what's most impressive almost is to see the guys who are on the top consistently on the top. I, I think just considering the variety and the diversity of races and how much can go wrong in a race, to see the same guys like floating to the top is really a testament to, to maybe how they prepare, but also like their fitness all as well. And I mean, <laughs> that would be great to do, but at the same time, you know, just looking at it, you're like, Oh man, if I could have one top finish, that would be great. Yeah. Right. What do you think that is? Like, as I think about this sometimes too, like that, how, how is it that it is the same couple of people who do get a lot of the attention and get a lot of, the the accolades like they still perform the best over and over like what do you think that they're do you think they're doing anything or how do you think that they've maintained that with with the amount of depth and new talent that comes in every year yeah it's uh honestly kind of perplexing to me <laughs> obviously you have to grant them that they're probably in some ways just better but obviously i don't like, I don't like that answer i'm like yeah no, no and and I, I don't really either because you know like both both of us, like we definitely want to be at that level and you can't be thinking like that. And I, I don't necessarily believe that's, that's the only reason, but I think just the fact that I guess they, 
they prepare. I, I don't, I don't really get it. And what I don't understand most, I think, is how some of these athletes are at the top, at the beginning, middle, and end of the season. How they can hold this peak for like four months because it's right. like for a couple of weeks and then I'm done. <laughs> yeah, it's so, like how how is their base level of fitness? better than my peak level of fitness yeah that's i think that's the most perplexing part for me but yeah because that is it's and i think that's something that kind of handcuffs me or has in the past in terms of like trying to approach this like it is the same as any other sport with like a three-month season you know and like just trying to figure out like the best way to maintain like a generalized fitness and then maybe have one big build to like really really knock it out because it, it's, it, it doesn't make sense to train that way from a, a traditional endurance background. But it, is, is mountain running like that? Or do you kind of follow the same type of beats that you would in, in like a track running where it's like a base phase and then like a sharpening phase, whatever, and then like a taper kind of thing? Or like, is oh, that, totally. is yeah. it the same? Yeah, it would be pretty much the the exact same as sort of a track background. I mean, the big race is usually happening in the fall or late summer. And so typically you'd have like a spring build for for a peak, maybe in like April, May even, which is usually like, for, for us in Canada, like the Canadian Mountain Running Championships, then you'd have a couple weeks off and then you'd kind of just build for September. Hmm. And, uh, yeah. Have you found that challenging in terms of obstacle course racing? Like, do you, do you fight the idea of like trying to be in shape all the time or like, how have you changed your training at all? Have you changed it much or like, what's that look like? Yeah, I think trying to, trying to do both at a high level is very hard because with obstacle course racing, you do need a bit of upper body strength, Mm -hmm. which is completely useless for man running pretty much. Like you want to be as light as possible. I, I definitely prefer having sort of the all-around fitness. It's it's nice to to have a bit of upper body strength just to do other stuff with as well. So I think in the last few years, I've definitely leaned more towards obstacle course racing than mountain running. I've kind of used mountain running as as a tool to get fit for obstacle course racing. So just just like uh, the workouts in the gym I do, uh, mountain running kind of provides sort of this this carrot to get fit for the running aspect of obstacle course racing. I, I feel like that's kind of worked for me pretty well. So how do you know when you're, you're fit for OCR then? Cause like, that's something <laughs> I have a terrible time doing. Cause how I know I'm fit is like, Oh, if I can run this pace for this long on flats, like I don't have a great barometer for my fitness before I actually perform yeah. for obstacle course racing. You know, it's like, sometimes I go in and I think it's going to go well. It doesn't. Sometimes it's the opposite, you know? Right. What have you found? What have you found? Do you know when you're, when you're fit for OCR? Oh, not really. I, I mean, I, <laughs> my barometer for if I'm fit for OCR is if I'm fit for, for running. So if, if I feel like I'm in good running shape, I'm going to assume I'm in good OCR shape. The, the idea, at least for me, is the running is kind of the primary tool. And then I use the, the weight training, the ninja stuff to work on sort of my grip and obstacle proficiencies, as well as like just the strength with the carries. And I feel like all that is helpful, but it is all based around the run, for me at least. And I, I don't know if that's necessarily the best method, but um, that's the one I've been using at least. And I think that makes the most sense, especially where the sport is now, because 
the proficiency of the obstacles or of the carries. They're not necessarily things that are separating the, the podium finishers from the people who are getting 20th. It's, it's kind of turned back into a fitness competition, you know, in the beginning, you know, there's definitely like an element of grit or just like who, who was able, who was strong enough to handle some of the obstacles or who had good grip strength. And now it's like, you don't need that good of grip strength. You don't really need to be that strong. So it's like, it's back to fitness. It seems like, so I think that is like the appropriate way to kind of go about it. Yeah. So in, when you think about what is stopping you from becoming that, like next level, getting to a podium at, uh, a world or national level, whatever it is. What do you think that is? Like, what do you think is holding, holding you back? Yeah, I, I think for me personally, I, I would say the number one thing I think that would help is, is being a faster runner. I think something, I, I think if someone was just getting into the sport and I was to judge them, whether or not they're going to do really well at obstacle course racing, the things I'd probably look for are like how good at pull-ups they are how much they can deadlift and how quick they can run both on flat and up a mountain. And if they can check all those boxes, I would probably say they're going to do really well. Mm. Um, so I think like for my metrics, it's, it's like try, try and run a faster 10 K next year. Mm. For me personally, I, I, I feel like to be at the top, you probably have to be running under 32. Some guys, some guys are probably a bit slower than that, but they compensate by either being like jacked, like Hunter and Ryan, yeah, or they have some other skills. And so, yeah, I, I think for me, just trying to to continue to work on that running economy, the running speed, uh, while at the same time, obviously, working on my obstacle skills. Yeah, and there's definitely something to be said about experience. You know, guys like Hunter and Atkins who have been competing at a high level since this sport pretty much started to be, become competitive they've done more races already than I've done than I will ever be able to accomplish. You know, like they just have so much more experience on what to do on the course. And there, yeah. that is definitely plays a part in this. And I think that is one of the reasons why some of the runners at the top can maintain there. They just like, it's not all a fitness competition. Like there is things and I make, I make mental errors all of the time. <laughs> I always screw up out there and I haven't, I find new ways to screw up because there's so many ways to screw up that I haven't learned all the ways that I can screw up yet. And I think, and I think like, I think Atkins knows all the ways that little mistakes and sees what people can do and can kind of like suss that out and not have to do that. But in your case, when you're talking about a faster 10 K, cause I'm the opposite, right? Like I feel like i like the road stuff, the faster stuff. Like I don't necessarily need to do, I need to get faster at the, the, the mountain stuff or like the trail stuff. So how would you kind of go about, going after that 10k like what do you hope that that would accomplish in terms of the the end result like obviously you would want to do better but like how do you think that would translate yeah so i I think with with a lot of these races at least for me personally i think you have to be sub threshold on the running you have to kind of you have to like there's this line that if you go over this line and i've done it many times in obstacle course race i get completely crushed Hmm. so i think Having a general level of fitness aerobically uh, that allows you to run with the top guys without redlining the whole way kind of allows you to stay in control. And so when you hit the obstacles, rather than having to use the obstacles as a break, you can actually go harder on the obstacles to get through them. And then you get back to the running, get a bit more of a break until you get to the next obstacle. So I think having that high level of running fitness allows you to 
push more on the obstacles while getting your heart rate settled down on the running sections. Because for me personally, I don't know about you, but like if I hit a heavy carry, I'm usually crushed coming out of that. And I just can't, I can't get back into my running zone again. And the same with like, I don't know, even, even like lots of obstacles, if I'm going into them with too high of a heart rate, I'm just going to get crushed on the obstacle themselves. And then coming out of the obstacle, I'm just not going to be able to get back to where I was before. And uh, at least my thought is that just having a higher level of base fitness will allow you to run faster with the lower heart rate. So that's my I, thought. I agree. And it's just like the amount of perceived effort that you're putting in. And that's why I feel like there needs to be a, a like real progression or like fitness progression with your training. It can't just be like constantly varied, like CrossFit doing wacky stuff, picking up a bucket, running around doing push-ups, and like running and this and that, like, like, yes, it will get you prepared for the race itself, but like that won't necessarily get you to your highest ability to do work. Where like if you were to do like a 10k progression or you know like a half marathon training kind of block like your ability to do work will improve so that should make your perceived effort less when you're out on the course so that's what like i am a big believer in like having those things in the training plan instead of it just be like all doing burpee runs or whatever but so when you say like threshold stuff like when you say sub threshold is that like just for semantics because i mean there's language that I just Absolutely, want to be on the same page, right? Like, what, is, what does threshold mean, like, in your terminology? So, like, below lactate buildup, pretty much, um, where, I, where I can flush everything out, pretty much like zone three running rather than, like, zone four running. Uh, so, like, something you could do for, like, an hour, right? Like, in so that. at least, yeah, at least an hour, probably even longer. Um, Got it. So, like, like something yeah. like a half marathon pace. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Something comfortable. <laughs> comfortable um, but hard, right? Comfortable but hard, yeah. Yeah. Like, okay. I, I don't know with... With you, Rich, like, because you are such, like, a, a talented runner, do you, like, when you go into a race, do you find, like, the run at the start is really cozy? And, like, where, where do you struggle? It, it's almost 100% terrain-based. Like, I don't navigate well through, like, the woods or, like, through, like, rocky downhills in particular. Like, climbs are, are fine, but it ends up being the terrain is where I will kind of lose rhythm and that is where it's a struggle. And then I can't quite access the like running fitness that I've built because I'm so concerned because of my lack of skill to like navigate the terrain, you know? So that seems to be where I, I lose a lot of ground. And like a lot of times I'll finish the race and just be like, like I'll be tired later in the day, but I don't cross the finish line. Like just dead. Like I've never like kicked to the finish line to the point where it's like, this is everything I have, like how it feels at the end of a 5k, 10k, half marathon, marathon, whatever it is, where it's like, I cannot wait to finish. It really is that it's more like, I can't wait to get off this course. <laughs> that's how I feel. It's like, just get me the hell out of here. So that that's, that's where I have struggles. And when you do that, like if you were to do some of this sub threshold training, will you do it on can you get to that level on trails or will you want to do it on flat just to like make sure that like you're at a zone where like you know you need to be i think typically yeah you'd keep it on the flat just because it's more consistent it's hard to find sort of terrain where it's like you got a consistent hill out or something where you, where you can really keep the heart rate in that same zone it's just easier to train on the flat like i'll do most of my easy runs in the trails just to work on work on trail technique. The trails around here in Squamish and on the North Shore are very technical. If you want to learn technical running, 
Come out here. Come on out. Come on out for a couple of weeks. I'll, I'll teach you. Yeah, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll crash with out. crash with you in the in the in your British and American roomie. We'll go for some. <laughs> oh, we'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> Once the borders open up. Yeah, that makes sense to me, right? Like that's that, and that's basically how I kind of approach it as well, and, and putting that into place. So just like tell us, like I mean, you did you've been a runner for forever, and you said you're not you didn't find a lot of success, I guess, on the track, or I forget what phrasing you use, but like, what are some of your PRs? Like, what have you done? Yeah, I think like my, like my, my PR in the 10K is like 32, 30. And so, I mean, not, not terrible, but at the same time, like, I feel like there's a lot of room for improvement. There. Right, so it's back-to-back 16, 15s. I think that that's like just, right? Yeah, yeah. It's um, like an easier way for people to. For sure, yeah. And uh, half marathon, I, my best is 1, 10, 15. So right around 70 minutes. And again, a bit of room for improvement, but I think it's probably a slightly better time than from my 10 quick K equivalent. But when was that? When were uh, these? That was back in 2015, actually. So oh. uh, not, not that surprising. That was the year I was, did the best set at Spartan. <laughs> year I had my, ten, my half PR. So yeah, actually my 10K was set that same year, I believe. So do you think that's where you need to be? I think that's at least where I need to be. Yeah. And I mean, admittingly, I'm like 10 pounds heavier now than I was back then, just with the, the weight I put on with the obstacle course training. Mm-hmm. I don't really want to lose that. So obviously I need to just be fitter now than I was then in order to run at the same time. But at the same time, I, I don't think that's a crazy stretch. So yeah, I think at least there. I don't think so either. And I think that is, yeah, it's just a matter of fitness, right? And just the, as long as it's muscle, like you can train your muscle for endurance, right? It just take, takes that type of time. What, yeah. what, like what, how big are you? 150. 150. 50. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's probably where you need to be, right? Like I don't see many people out there that's much smaller than that. No, I think at least like, I think you need to be at least like around 150, like maybe, maybe you could get in the mid one forties, but just to, to do the carries and like the Herkhoist and that. I feel like a Hercules weighs like 140. <laughs> <laughs> and that double, I, I sand, that double sandbag? Yeah, yeah, the double sandbag. Like, I, I don't honestly think uh, I want to lose much in terms of weight. Um, I think I'm pretty happy right now. So, yeah. yeah. And like I said, just, yeah, just getting more fit. Like, yeah, I think Woods is probably maybe under 150, and Kempson is probably under 150, but probably not much. Probably 145. Yeah, I think they're probably pretty close. Yeah. yeah. What are you sitting at? Tip, I was like 165 through OCR stars. Okay. Wow, yeah. Which is like a good, which is probably like 10, 10 to 15 pounds more than like my like race weight in like college or high school. What's your, geez, and you ran 29, 36 mile. Mm-hmm. 15 pounds over your racing weight. Yeah. Over my like runner racing, racing weight. I haven't been that weight since 2010. You know, so it's been a while. So I've had a long time to train this type of fitness for that. That's insane though. I know. I like, I like, that makes me really happy. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. you know what? Cause I've always been like, I need to be this type of weight. So just like focusing on the fitness and having that payoff is, is pretty cool. So yeah. you can do it too. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> um, so what are some of the goals that you have with, with obstacle course racing? Like just in the, the scheme of things, when you think about what would make you feel satisfied? Yeah, I think long-term I definitely like, some podium finishes on the, on the bigger stages. Like what? It's like feeling like I'm competitive in the races would be nice too. 
So rather than getting like shut off the back early on, just at least like, even if, you know, I end up failing obstacles or something, just being in the mix at least would be, would be a nice feeling. But, but yeah, I think long-term, I mean, I feel like probably it's a goal with anyone who, who's racing Spartan at a high level. It's like podium finish at the world championships would be cool. And same with like, you know, the series championships, try and try and get on that podium. But yeah, I, I mean, nothing like too specific, really. I think just try and keep improving and see where that takes me because you know, that's what I want to do. <laughs> yeah, because that is right. Like anyone who's at like our level, well, I'm going to put us in the same level. We're, we're kind of right there. I think we finished real close to each other at Tahoe. Tahoe didn't go well for you last year though, right? No. <laughs> but like but you had some top 10 finishes at the u.s national series races as did i on the flatter courses so like we're kind of like in that same same realm and like yeah i think the same way it's like yes and where i want to be is on that podium and i don't think it's a far stretch i don't look at the people who are at the top as athletes who are like superhuman like if i went to a mountain race against like killian Jornet or something like that like I can't do anything about that, but no CR. I'm like, I don't feel this way about those people. So I think that that is a, a goal that is attainable and should be what we have in our minds. And, you know, that's kind of why we've been talking now is just like, how are we going to, how are we going to get ourselves there? But like, why do you want to do that? You think like when you think about like the reason yeah. that you want to accomplish those goals? Yeah, I think, I mean, I mean, there's a lot of different reasons. I think the fact is I'm, I'm a super competitive person. So, I mean, I, I, see, I see these carrots and I just want to chase them down because uh, it's something I can do. I, I also like the idea of being a professional athlete. And I, in order to be a professional athlete in this sport, you have to be on that podium because you're not really making enough if you're not. Right. Uh, so I'd love to just do this full time. And I think to do that, you know, you have to be, be up there at that level. So yeah, I mean, I, I'm definitely driven, driven to do it, but I, I think most of the drive doesn't necessarily come from these extrinsic qualities, but it's just a, a fire within me that, you know, I'm going to do the best I can do. And I have a vision of where I can be and I want to be there. So. And is that always kind of a thing because you've done well in the mountain running, you've done well in the tower running. Is this, is this, is OCR, an extension of, of that, of just being like, okay, here I am, I'm in this now and I think I can do well and I need to find out what, what I'm going to do. Or is there something specific with this? You're like, this is so cool. I need to, I need to just like go all in on this. I mean, I, I could honestly say that about mountain running and tower running too. I think both those sports are, are super cool with, with tower running. Like when I was young, I wanted to be an architect. I got a degree in civil engineering, like buildings have always fascinated me. And so the tower running was just a, a cool extension of that where I could- really, Oh, no way. <laughs> just like nerding like, out. <laughs> yeah, kind of nerding out almost. Like when I go to the city, I'd be like just looking up at these high buildings anyway. So I was like, geez. I'm going up, up there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I think with like obstacle course racing, it's, it's, just, it's just so diverse. It's, it's so cool to be able to, like, man, I've, I grew up watching like American Ninja Warrior. Like coolest show ever. I'm just like totally addicted to that stuff. And so, uh, like right now I'm working at a ninja gym in Squamish. It's the, right. it's really cool. Actually, it's a, it's a big place, but it's, it's provided a, a lot of opportunities to improve my, my ninja skills, which I think really translates well to a lot of the obstacles in Spartan. So, you know, that's just like one aspect of this Spartan. Like I can 
you know, enhance my ninja's abilities. I can enhance my running abilities, my strength abilities. Like these are all these different assets with which I really value and I can kind of bring them all and mesh them together into this cool sport. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm super stoked to do it. Yeah. And I can relate to that. I like the idea, like whatever the competition is, like, I'm going to be like, okay, I'm going to want to do as well as possible just because, but I just like the training, you know, it kind of sounds like the same thing. It's like these different elements and you get to train for these elements to improve on those. And it's just like, a little bit more interesting, a little bit more fun. And like there's growth to be seen in a lot of different elements. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so you mentioned wanting to be full-time in obstacle course racing or athlete, whatever that is. Is that what you do full-time now is working at the Ninja Gym? Yeah, so the Ninja Gym is my, my job right now and it, it complements uh, this awesome. Uh, so I work, I work there as a coach, training, training the next Ninja Warriors. Sweet. Um, it is, it is just a fantastic place to train. And I've, I've learned so much about my own body, how my body moves through space by working there. Some of the other staff there are like professional parkour guys. One of the guys has like been a demo guy on American Ninja Warrior before. So he like knows the lay of the land. So just working with, with these guys has really provided a lot of uh, opportunity for me just to learn how uh, to get through obstacles really quick. I'm really excited because I, I, since I've learned a chance to actually use it in a Spartan race yet. So this past year, I've, I've learned a ton about also course proficiency, which I'm really excited about bringing to, to Spartan next year. And it'll be interesting to see, it's like, if that ability to kind of move through space does help lower the fatigue of going through the obstacles, right? Like if, and if it isn't, and if like, it's the same fitness, say you run on whatever, 33 minutes for a 10 K and that's your fitness, but you're able to get through those obstacles faster. Or if it, or if it just makes you tired anyway, <laughs> you still need to get better at running. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah, that that people. So have you done like a ninja? Do you do ninja courses all the time then? Like where it is like yeah. ninja warrior style, just like a minute and a half or whatever, however long it is to get through things. Yeah, I did a. So I've done one competition just before COVID happened at the end of last year. Super fun. At the same time, kind of like the Spartan World Championships, very eye opening. Yeah, I went in like I thought I'd do all right. I ended up doing all right. I finished second in my category, but it it was very interesting to see how being really efficient through every obstacle was so key to finishing the course because it, it's so much more grip based um, than a Spartan race that you can get pumped like flash pump just like that. And so really making sure you don't miss a ring, making making the jumps count, and so you're really hitting that landing. Uh, all this small stuff really adds up in, in Ninja Warrior. And uh, it's something that I don't think, as like obstacle course racers, we care about that much because, I mean, yeah, you miss a monkey bar, you just grab it again. One, you know, it, it's not a, it's not a, doesn't really make a difference wh- what way you do it. But in this Ninja stuff, it's like, you gotta be efficient. You gotta like move through that space really efficiently. Because if you don't, you're not gonna make it. Yeah, I can't imagine. I can't imagine because people say that to me sometimes. The Huchos don't really know who like just know what a Spartan race is or sees whatever I post on Instagram. It's like you should do Ninja Warrior. It's like I need like ten minutes of running to recover from my hands and grip before I can do something else like that. That is just like a literal sprint. Like I need a marathon when it comes to obstacle racing, not like a hundred meter dash. So I can't imagine how how. Yeah, like even just missing one ring. It's like, well, that's it because I don't have the capacity to do any more than that. Yeah. 
And then does the do races like the like OCR World Champs? Have you done those before? I did it back in 2017. Was the one year I did it? I think Blue Mountain. In Blue Mountain. Okay, I think I was there. I think I did it that year as well. I got crushed. I was murdered oh, at that race. Man. Same here. <laughs> did you? Both both yeah. of them. The 3K and like obstacles I've never seen before, and like it was it was raining right for the 15K in the morning. Yeah, the 3K. I think I don't think I even finished that race. I think that's the only race I've ever dropped out of. I like even the Battle Frog races where you know they got those crazy rigs. I, I always got crushed on the Battle Frog rigs back in the days, but I'd spent two hours and eventually I get through it. But, <laughs> Like this OCR, yeah, the, that short course, and that was brutal. I, I couldn't even finish that. It'd be a fun one if, I mean, if you can get back in, if it happens this year, it'd be a fun one for you. What are you thinking this year? I mean, we were talking a little bit before we started, like, what are you going to do? We're not sure. Uh, you're in Canada. A lot of the races are in the States, and, you know, who knows what's going to happen in terms of opening borders. Or I mean, the case numbers are bad right now, but the vaccine's coming, so people are optimistic, I think. Mm-hmm. So say that the season is just going to happen. What do you? Yeah. What are some of the goals you got this year? I think, like, I don't, honestly, I'm not super stoked about Spartan World Champs being in Abu Dhabi. Yeah, uh, me neither. Because two things I don't, well, I, like, altitude I don't do well with, but the two other things I don't do well with is running in sand and, <laughs> and running so, in what? What was the second one? Heat. Like, oh. in, yeah. So, unfortunately, yeah, those, those are two attributes with which... Abu Dhabi definitely has. So I, I don't know if I'd do that one or not. I think I'd see where my season's at. I think OCR World Championships is definitely something this upcoming year I'm interested in just yeah. because of all the uh, proficiencies I've gained. I, I, I'd be really excited to try it. I think if I was in good running shape and my obstacle proficiency was where I wanted it to be, I could do pretty well on that one. So that would probably be a goal of mine. I know Tough Mudder is bringing back the 24-hour 10,000 prize purse. So yeah, is might give that one a go. We'll see if Atkins decides to do it, but that could be a fun battle. Cause you do well in the ultra stuff as well, right? Or you have had some good, like 12 hour races, um, like the long, yeah, I, I've, I haven't done any 12 hour ones, but I did a couple of, oh, did eight hour. Oh, okay. Yeah. The eight hour toughest matters. And those went pretty well for me. And each one I, I felt like I learned and I improved from as well. So kind of wish they had the eight hours still because that was kind of my bread and butter distance. But got to see how 12 goes now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because yeah, they brought back those as well. Those are, those are still ha- those are happening again. Okay. Are they bringing prize money back with those too? Or? I'm not sure. Because they, pay, they paid out like good money. That like when, when, you, when you were doing eight-hour ones, that yeah. was what, 2018 then? 2018, yeah. Did it take them forever to pay you? Oh, it, it took me like nine months to get Yeah, 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 yeah. They... <laughs> I was did I did like the toughest series? No, no, tougher. Tougher was it was like the they're paying out like way too much money. It was like five hundred for any event, and there would be like nobody would show up to these events, and they were paying out like twenty five hundred for like regional races and same thing. Like nobody would really come out. Yeah. So they paid me like in two different increments, and it was like at the end of the year. It was like one was in December, and then one was in January. So it definitely had something to do with like the fiscal year, and <laughs> it's like they just got themselves underwater. And I was like, this is not a great idea, but I don't know if Spartan Spartans are on the show now. So maybe they will. I haven't heard of that. If they have money with, involved with it. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be great if they brought that back, but it's kind of like the same thing with Battlefrog, right? Like, I mean, I, I got into Battlefrog deer. They went bankrupt and the, the prizing they had like crazy, like 3000 for first or like something like that, like two and 15. And it was, it was crazy because they had like 30 or 40 races across the States. 
So, I mean, that's a, that's a lot of money they're dishing out. That's a good way to lose a lot of money. It is a good way to lose a lot of money. It's a good way for Atkins to gain a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, right. That's what it's the, with, with OCR. Sometimes it just like, when people complain about the money in OCR, I'm just like, you got to be kidding me. Like, you can't make this money anywhere else. No. I, I like, it makes me, I'm like, yo, shh, like, I, we don't want them to take away this money. Like, I can't make a, a dime road running. Maybe I can make a hundred bucks here or there, but like any real money to be made, like, I can't make 500 bucks at any road race, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Road running, especially very competitive. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, obviously there's big money in the marathon if you're, if you're at that level, but it's cool that Spartan is, is sort of dishing out like they are though. And I a hundred percent agree. I think it's great that, you know, we can have any sort of financial assistance uh, through them through prizing. And yeah, I hope they keep it up. <laughs> totally. So just talk a little bit about, I mean, we're here, we're talking about torque. We're talking about the obstacle course racing collaboration. So what yeah. are some of the goals you have with this? Like, what are you most excited about with torque? Man, I'm, I'm excited to continue what we are doing during OCR stars, just like talking about training and, you know, getting good workouts in and getting fit for next year. It was great. That was, that was really that was, fun. Yeah. It was really fun just to have like people to kind of bounce things off of. And like, I look for, I wonder if everyone else, we definitely had the best experience with it, <laughs> you know, like having a group <laughs> of people like doing the same stuff and being able to, to, to correspond that way. But yeah, I think it's gonna be really fun, especially if people have like the same goals and the things we're going to be like working on for sure. Yeah. I think next year. Yeah. Like once we, once we have an established race schedule and we're all like, Oh, we're all training for whatever, like the Seattle race or whatever U S series races there are. It's like, we'll be on the same yeah, exactly. Doing the same goals. And so we'll be doing the same training. And I mean, it, it was just really fun, like talking to you guys about, you know, how to get through the obstacles efficiently, how to train best for the obstacles and like those weekly meetups, I think really, really helped all of us sort of step our game up because we had like four in the top 10, which I mean, yeah, pretty legit. <laughs> yeah. seemed to work. I mean, everyone's a good athlete in their own right, but everyone came and it helped with buy-in too. I think like we, we took it serious we took a really like we went after the thing every one of us did so and i think yeah. we helped push each other forward because we saw that everyone else cared a lot and i think that's what's going to help during the regular season as well not that we, we wouldn't i i definitely but it is reaffirming especially when we're solo a lot when it's not a lot of um obstacle course racers at least in my world yeah. that it's like am i taking this too serious <laughs> am i t spending too much time doing this but like being around other athletes like like yourself and you know like I said Nick Riker, Mark Audet, who who are dead serious about this stuff it just it really helps and it's like oh maybe I need to be more serious <laughs> build it up even more cool man so you just last thing you mentioned earlier that injuries have been a thing that have really kind of hindered some of the progress long term what are you doing differently what have you been in like terms of like training more smart for events. Yeah, I think, like, when, when you become a runner, you don't think, like, you think, okay, I got to train more, you know, I got I to gotta sleep more, I got to eat better. You, you don't think, I have to not get injured. But, like, training consistently, I think, is, like, the biggest thing to becoming a better runner, is being able to really put that consistent training in week after week, month after month. And when you get injured, it just derails everything, and you really have to go back to ground, you know, ground zero and start building all over again, which, which is tough. And like psychologically to like losing all that momentum and motivation, it's really tough. And so, yeah, for me, I, I really am putting an emphasis on not getting injured. And uh, it, it's kind of funny because last year I was like, okay, 
I'm getting a lot of stress fractures in my tibia. So I'm gonna wear some cushier shoes to, to prevent that from happening. Ended up rolling my ankle really bad in a pair of hokas. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just and got this whole the platform is that. so crazy. Creates this ridiculous lever it's, too. It's, like, it's such a stack height. Yeah. And so I just went over really hard on it and my ankle hasn't been the same since. Uh, so now I'm wearing an ankle brace. But I, I think softer surface definitely helps. And building more into your training, being more aware of when you're sort of feeling well at, you know, aches and pains in your body. But like rolling out often, stretching, seeing physio on a regular basis, all, all sort of components that really help. And so I'm just trying to bring that all together and not get injured. <laughs> Is that what you would do in the past? Just maybe not listen to like those little signals that would pop up and just be like, this is, especially with stress fractures. You're just like, this hurts a little bit, but not that bad. And then it hurts really bad. <laughs> yeah. I've had a number of stress fractures. After the first stress fracture, I, I kept running for like three or four weeks. I, <laughs> I was in, I was in university at the time. I felt like I was invincible. Oh. It's like, oh, I can run through this. <laughs> There's also pressure in, in, in those circumstances. At least I can speak for my coach, and it was hard to bring issues to him because he'd be like, well, are you being a pussy or are you actually hurt? It's like, I actually don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. So let me not be a pussy and then see what happens, and then you're yeah. actually hurt. Where would you feel him? Like inside, outside of your le- of the like your shin? Yeah, yeah, usually on the inside, um, low down. I mean, it did yeah. start just like a little ache pain. Uh, you're like, ah, oh, I just sore from the run. And then, you don't know, it kind of builds from there. So you gotta, you have to be, pay attention to those, but I think I run sort of as you become uh, more advanced as a runner, uh, you sort of figure out those, those little nuances with your own body. And you just have to be really aware of like where you're at in the moment. And I think a lot of people um, that maybe aren't necessarily right at the top, probably don't utilize physio enough and mm. sort of massage. And I think those two tools are really useful in just making sure that, you know, you're staying on top of things. Sometimes they can open your eyes up. It's like, oh, you're, or like if they're going over and you can find a spot that is extra sore, extra tender that you might not feel like that happens to me like the outside of my calves, like up toward my knee, like I'll end up being incredibly sore there to the touch, but not while I like I'm like running or it doesn't ever really manifest and in that actual spot, but it might manifest somewhere else, like the actual pain. So like right. if I go to someone like a massage and he goes over that, it's like, oh, I am extremely sore there. Or like in my back, a lot of times that happens. So I agree. It's a good, it's a good tool just to have almost for like awareness. Totally. And, and the thing is the body is connected too. It's, it's not like just because you got a pain in your leg, the issue is actually coming from your leg. Literally could be coming from your head. I mean, right. I've found like it's it's really good just to have like a one over of the entire body, just straighten up everything up, and usually that, that kicks everything back in mind. I've had this some crazy experiences with like different types of therapy. I, th- I went to this practitioner does like NKT, like neurokinetic therapy, mm-hmm. and a lot of that is like the signals that are being sent and like how your body kind of protects itself. So like if you had an injury, like you had like, you have like a scar or something like on your head, it's a good one. Like you hit your head, you cut it open, there's a scar there. It's like, if you think about that scar, touch that scar, you'll become weaker, like in your legs. And this guy goes through his practice and is like, think about like, he'll like touch something and then we'll be like, now apply pressure to my hand with your legs. 
and it changes in an instant based off of like the different signals that are being sent in different areas. Wow. So it's like these, these like injuries that happen. And for me, it was like, I sprained my ankle when I was like 14 and I was getting really bad plantar fasciitis because my body didn't trust myself to like supinate out properly. So I, every, so my proper range of motion wasn't fully activating. So I had to like kind of train myself to do that. And it went away like in two days. And I had it for like, a, I had it for like a year <laughs> and like, he was like, well, you, your, your body's kind of protecting itself. So like, that's just like, like there's so much that we can learn and there's so many things that can be that you can find out about yourself if you just take that time. So I agree with you. It's like, just spend some time with people that know what they're doing so they can kind of open up your eyes to that. Yeah. Body is a complicated place. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, cool, man. Well, we'll, we'll check back in. We'll do these periodically so that we know how your progress is coming along. I mean, it's such a strange time now that we're not quite sure, but when the goals start, start to be more concrete, we'll check back in and, and we'll keep these things rolling along, man. So where can people find you in terms of socials or if there's anywhere, good way to follow your progress? Yeah. I, I stay on the down, the DL pretty, pretty hard, but you, uh, you post sometimes. <laughs> I post sometimes. Yes. My on, on Instagram, I'm vertical running underscore A. That's the Canadian A, E-H. I, I do have a YouTube channel, Sean SW, that you can search up and open up, post some videos eventually on there too. At the bear, the, you got the bear fight on there, right? I got, I got one of the bear fights. Not, not the cool one, but uh, the other one. So. The, the less cool. <laughs> but it still has like 1.2 million views or something, right? So I think it's coming up on three now. Yeah. Oh my God. Cause I saw you had a shit ton of followers when we were going on. Oh, sorry, so I was like, huh. And I went and checked out and I saw that one was on there. I was like, Oh my God, this, I didn't watch it, yeah. but so you got, you've been attacked by a bear twice now. Yeah. Well, I mean the first one I wasn't attacked. A bear just jumped out at me yeah. and I on GoPro. So I, I'm, I'm really surprised that went as viral as it did. I think maybe <laughs> my own reaction kind of created the, yeah, around it. I was like, oh shit you know like a very very raw cathartic reaction but it was nothing compared to the other encounter i had with the bear where i actually got into a fight with it but so yes this is something we didn't mention about squamish i think people think this is a thing you know i don't have to think about bear encounters often so what do you what do you did you did you do you have training on how to deal with a bear and did it did you use it or did it come back to that raw animalistic response like you had for the first time? Like what happened? Yeah. Well, I, I think I got to start saying like black bears, typically no problem with them. I, I've encountered many before. like, I've encountered a bunch this year. Usually when you see a black bear, it's doing its own thing. You know, you're doing your own thing. You just act in the same place at the same time. Uh, like, like the trails here too, they're quite popular. And so if you are running in Squamish, like I would not worry at all about animals. Right. I don't carry any sort of protection myself, uh, at least in black bear country. If I was in grizzly bear country, yeah, I'd be carrying like some mace or bear spray for sure. Where is that? Is that like just more off the beaten path? Cause, or is it more north? It's more north. And so grizzly bears typically don't, don't have territory in Squamish. Once in a while, you'll see one coming in, but it's pretty rare. And so typically you don't have to worry about grizzlies around here. Uh, anyways, yeah, going back to the bear encounter I had, uh, <laughs> I was, I was just like running easy up a trail, heard something behind me, looked back, there's a bear. It's walking up the trail towards me. I'm like, oh shit. You know, obviously a, a bit shocked, but not like super scared or anything. So I was like, 
all right, I'm just going to beeline it into the bush, get out of its way, because it's obviously just traveling up the trail. We're accidentally on the same path. So I start running into the bush, and it veers into the bush behind me. And I'm like, oh, this is not good. <laughs> and, like, is there there's distance between you two at the time? Like, there's a bit of distance. I mean, we were talking maybe, like, five to ten meters. Oh, um, not much distance. <laughs> on me. Yeah, so it was – at that time, I, I kind of knew, like, okay, something's going to happen here. So I, rather than probably what I should have done is turned around straight away and stood my ground, I kept running and it kept gaining on me until it eventually got right behind me and its paw came up and swatted my back and uh, ripped my shorts and my underwear. Did you go down or were you up? It just ripped I, it? I was still you... running at the time. So it was behind me and it kind of clawed at me. And, that's, and then after that, I turned around to face it because I was like, okay, well, obviously now, you know, I can keep running. I'm fighting this bear. <laughs> Gotta fight this bear. <laughs> this fight. Yeah. You can't, you, you don't just throw, throw swings at me. Now it's going down. No, no, no shit's getting real. <laughs> so yeah, turned around. Then I immediately trip over a stick because we're like just in like the woods. We're not even on trail right now. We're just like randomly in the woods. Like couldn't pick a worse spot for a bear to attack me. Like, <laughs> he has the yeah. upper ground. He has the upper hand in terms of terrain. Yeah. So turn around, trip on a stick, fall on my back. The bear actually jumps on top of me. And I'm like, oh man. So I found a stick on the ground and I swatted in the face and it backs off, giving me enough time to get up. And, and so now we're like in this jousting match where it's like coming at me and I'm backing away from it. And it's, it probably like actually went on for about 10 minutes. That felt like forever. But it kept jumping on trees, like this aggressive, like pounce would jump on a tree as like a fake, uh, a fake attack. And then I would throw a rock at it and it would back off for a second. And eventually I got to a major show and was able to get away from it. But I mean, this went on like for quite some time. Like at one point, this bear was actually quite smart. It realized that I was trying to get you know, back into civilization on this trail. So it actually ran around me in the woods to get on the other side of me. And so it forced me back into the woods. Whoa. Like, the outlet. I was like, oh, you're not doing that to me, bear. So by this point, like me and the bear, like I, I felt like we had a pretty intimate connection going on. <laughs> like I knew the bear and the bear knew. Me. And so I just kind of ran at the bear with a stick and it jumped back into the woods, allowing me to get by it. But I, I realized at some point that, you know, the bear, the bear was bluffing to some extent. Like it wasn't like, if it, if it wanted to really kill me, you know, it had its chance. Like we were obviously in some sort of battle, but I didn't feel as threatened as I did at the beginning. It almost became like the norm. And so I just kind of did what I could to get away from it. And upon like, when you think about it, I mean, it didn't take long for you to think about this. I thought about it right away. Like, what do you think the bear was doing since you know him so well? What was yeah. like, like, do you think it was just trying to defend territory? Or do you think it tried to scare you away and then like you didn't leave right away? You were just there? Or like, what do you think happened? I think it was an adolescent bear and I think it was actually playing. Oh, you think he was playing? I think it might have been playing because I, I don't know what else it could have been done. It's like, obviously it was charging me, but... I don't know, maybe it was just, that's its way of playing. I, I have no idea. But I feel like it wasn't, it really wasn't, didn't seem like it was defending anything. 
was just like, yeah, something to do. And I think uh, once I probably broke a couple of its ribs and gave it a bloody nose, it probably was like, okay, this isn't fun anymore. <laughs> right. It's like, oh, I thought we were playing. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, I guess like the same as humans, like middle school kids. Those are the ones that, you know, I don't want to mess with them. They'll be like the, the meanest, like you never know what they're going to do. Totally. Yeah. Middle school bears. Don't know how, don't know how to play that well with, with humans. They don't know what they're doing. Yeah. Man, that is a crazy story. But what the, and the other one, the other the YouTube one is just you just saw one. Yeah, it just jumped out at me. I mean, there's no contact made. It was just my reaction. I think that really got the views. But I'll take do you, them. Do, <laughs> gotta. Do you worry about? Yeah, you got to show Spartan. Be like, you see all these freaking views. Yeah. Pay pay me. <laughs> Invite me to the Spartan games. Do you worry about bears now? Like, is it a worry, or do you? Is it different after that? Was there was there a running life before that encounter and after that encounter, or is it still kind of like I can't worry about it? I think it would have been more traumatic if the event had have unfolded in like ten seconds, but since it like lasted for ten minutes, I became almost like accustomed to it. I was almost able to go through the trauma while it was happening. Yeah. So I mean, I'm yeah. I've seen lots of bears since, and I've had no problem with them at all. So. You like have a greater understanding than, than most. Almost. Like I feel like bears and me sort of understand each other now. Yeah. I wonder if there's a community of people who, who have been through this that you can speak with now and you can talk about <laughs> how well you understand bears with them. Cause no one else knows no. you're in a, you're in a small community now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool, man. We'll, we'll link to your, your IG and YouTube, all that and the, the show notes and everything. But yeah, man, I appreciate you, you taking the time. I'm super excited that you are part of this team. I think it's going to be awesome. I mean, the, the athletes that we have and just how open everybody is and just how excited that, that it all is. I think it's going to be a really fun season once it starts to play out. Yeah, we have, a, we have an awesome team. And it's great that you're you know, spearheading this and the time you're putting in is awesome. So I think we all really appreciate it. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. Cool. So we will be back with another one shortly. But yeah, I'll press stop and we'll stay on here. But That'll be all. So we're signing off. Yeah.